0: I got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm blind, but I'm only human after all.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 26th episode of the Gin Jag podcast, bringing you in on a little I'm only human after all there. The new Mass Effect trailer song, you know, and it it also has some relevance. A lot of people very heavily criticizing and scrutinizing over all these potential draft picks. And, you know, these guys are human. We have to remember that. We uh, kind of pick and prod and poke and try to figure out who's all the who's going to be the studs of the draft and who's going to be busts and all that. But these are just humans, yeah. Just and you try. see that a lot too. Uh, obviously, with after the draft, you see all sorts of players. Usually, there's one or two in the top ten that ends up having human issues. Yeah, you know. Drug problems, um, domestic violence, all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of real
2: life that goes on off off the football field. <laughs>
1: that's crazy, but yeah. So welcome again to the 26th episode. Uh, I'm Jordan. I'm Jordan Delugo, your host, joined by my co-host Scott Klein. We're without our third co-host Hunter Evans, who's not here for a second consecutive week. I think this might just. Might just become a two-man band again, <laughs> you know? Uh, Blink-182 had success after dropping <laughs> their third member. So, who knows? Um, Come back, Hunter! We miss <laughs> you! Yeah, no kidding. We really do. We, we'll we give him crap for not being here, but it is nice having him around. Yeah, I mean,
2: he's doing a... Uh, I think he's... Was he doing a, a coaching seminar or a... Uh,
1: yeah, he's getting you, better so he yeah. can make the next episode better.
2: Yeah. Hopefully. I think it's a youth seminar that he's a part of as far as teaching. So yeah, So that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, it'd be cooler if he was here. But well, yeah. this episode, as every other, every other episode, is presented by Bold City Brewery. Uh, bold beer for the bold city. Uh, today, we've got some Duke's Brown Ale, which is really their signature beer. They've got three beers that they can and distribute through whatever distributor they're using. I can't even remember. It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, so Duke's Brown Ale is what we've got today. It's got it's got a lot of chocolate in it. Yeah, chocolate so the, flavors. A so lot so the, of caramel. A little bit of a nutty flavor too. But it it's a heavy. Bizarre, yeah, it, it's, it does sound weird, but it's their best seller for a reason. Yeah. I mean, it's a great beer. It's it's heavier, but a lot of people that drink it don't traditionally drink heavy beers. I've
2: always been somebody who, I've drank lagers. You know, I've drank light beers. Right. I've never been a fan of heavier beers. This turned into one of my favorite beers. Yeah. I used to buy it 24-7. <laughs> it used to yeah, be all I, think, I drank. I think
1: we've both gone through those <laughs> kicks. And now we don't have to buy it. Thanks to Bold yeah. City Brewery. Uh, At least on... uh, And yet somehow I still do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they don't give us an unlimited supply over here, but they do hook it up for sure. Um, Make sure to check them out at BoldCityBrewery.com. And check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at BoldCityBrewery. Big shout out to those guys. So we have a packed show today. Um, Again, we're just bringing an hour of uninterrupted Jack. Excuse me. (laughs) The Dukes is getting to me already. Uh, an hour straight of uninterrupted Jaguars talk. Surprisingly, because this is usually kind of a dead period, the weeks leading up to the draft. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of draft talk that goes on in the last couple weeks. But usually, there's not a lot of actual team news that's been happening. But this week, there is. We've got a lot to get into. So uh, let's get it going here. Preseason schedule was released on Monday for all 32 teams. The Jaguars will start out at New England.
2: They always do the, what they think is going to be the Super Bowl preview in the first game <laughs> of the preseason. Oh, yeah, just that's, to kick it off right. So, su- I mean, it makes sense.
1: Maybe you mean the AFC championship. AFC,
2: well, they actually changed the rules just because we're that good.
1: <laughs> we're so good <laughs> that two AFC teams are going to play in the Super Bowl this year. But, yeah,
2: they said, NFC, you'll get it next year.
1: No, uh, but yeah, the Jags are playing at New England. Which, jeez, can't think of a uh, more interesting and surprising opponent to start out the preseason schedule. Usually in preseason, the Jaguars are playing regional teams, uh-huh. which yeah. the rest of the preseason schedule is regional teams. It's actually three-fourths of the NFC South. <laughs> After they play at New England, they head home to take on Tampa Bay, which will be on ESPN on Thursday night at 8 p.m., so that'll be pretty cool. Rumored to
2: be all, another one of the um, the joint practices. That they yeah, like that could that be,
1: again. but also a Patriots beat writer believes that it would make a lot of sense for the Jaguars and the Patriots to have joint practices prior yeah. to the, their game. So maybe the Jaguars do two joint practices this year. The Buccaneers did it last year, but I think that's really... I think that would be really cool to be able to see an organization like that, how
2: they go... Through a practice, how they manage themselves. Me too. I That's think it'd be really interesting. It'd
1: definitely be interesting, but I would not be a fan of doing two joint practices yeah. in a row with two different teams. I think it just kinda it's a stretch. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to get done. Um, so yeah, after they play Tampa in week three of the preseason, which is always the most important game, they're gonna take on the Panthers who may or may not be without Cam Newton at that time. But regardless of if they have Cam Newton or not, there's a lot of talent at a lot of different spots on that roster. Similar to the third game last year against the Bengals. Mm -hmm. Jaguars ended up winning the game thanks to their backups, but their starters got slaughtered out there. They really did. And
2: and it's good to see that the the two most important preseason games, those are kind of, you put that in quotes, most important. None of them are really that important, but... From an evaluation standpoint, the starters are going to play the most in the second and third games. They're both yeah. at home. Yep. So you so get, you you get, get just to see, see the live.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then they finish it off at Atlanta, who obviously we all know um, lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Okay. Infamously. Uh, based on a Kyle Han- Shanahan play call. Now, while Kyle Shanahan was perhaps the best offensive coordinator in all of football last year. He got in his own head. He screwed it up at the end. And he (laughs) knows it. Everybody knows it. Run Um, the ball. (laughs) Yeah. So, he's gone now, though. So, um, it'll be a fun preseason. I think I love getting a chance to see the regional teams, see regional fans as well. Um, I've always...
2: Pretty good quarterbacks you're going up against, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got Brady for maybe a drive or two Yeah. And the week one. And then you go play Jameis week two. He'll probably play a good part of the first half. And then if Cam Newton's there ready to play in Carolina, well, in Jacksonville, but against Carolina.
2: We might get a whole half, maybe three whew. quarters
1: out of Cam Newton. Yeah. Ugh. And then Matt Ryan you probably will barely see at yeah. all, if at, if any, against Atlanta. But still... It's a solid that's a solid four games to really get yourself ready for what'll be a challenging regular season. And it should be it should be our first glimpse at the post
2: Gus Bradley era. Yep. A lot of different faces on the football team. No question. A lot like last year and the year before that. But it, it it just feels like you you look at this and you go,
1: let's see something. Let's see some glimpses of what could be yeah. under the under Doug Merrill. And you did see it a lot last preseason too, except for against Cincinnati, <laughs> which was obviously the most important game that you needed to see some signs in, and you didn't. Uh, but it'll be very interesting. Obviously, preseason's preseason, but... If you're listening to a Jaguars podcast during April, you're probably (laughs) into the preseason. You probably care about the preseason game. (laughs) The fourth quarter of the the last game is probably must-watch television. Yeah. Make sure to follow us at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram and at Generation Jag on Twitter. Make sure to check out our website. We're constantly updating it. We're making, creating content pretty much... On an hourly basis now Uh, we've got all the latest news and analysis and we've done some recent website updates that are uh, more conducive to you being able to share and enjoy the content so we're really happy about that Uh, we also have an exciting announcement regarding the draft Um, for the third consecutive year we will be hosting a tailgate party in Lot J right outside of the draft party so you can come by In between 5 and 8 p.m. before the draft starts on April 27th, and uh, we'll be over there serving up free beers for anybody who wants to come by, and we'll be having a great time over there, so make sure to stop by again. That's April 27th, Lot J, and while we say 5 o'clock, we'll be out there before 5 o'clock, so you're welcome to come by earlier, help set up, you know, grab some beers, but we look forward to seeing everybody then on April 27th, and uh, hopefully that'll be just the pre-party to an amazing first-round selection.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, it's hard to top last year. but It, I it mean, certainly will be. <laughs> it's it, no it's going to be all eyes on, the, on Dave Caldwell and Tom.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Dave Caldwell and Tom... Those two and Doug Marone both spoke with Jaguars season ticket holders last night in an event at the stadium. Uh, pretty cool, kind of like a town hall type forum where fans could ask questions of the three most important people in the Jaguars organization that don't play football. Yeah. So uh, we'll bring up a couple of notes here that we found interesting from that, from that forum Seems pretty obvious, based on Caldwell's comments, not only at this forum, but other comments that he's made throughout the offseason, he would really like to trade down with that first overall, first round pick, the fourth overall pick. Seems like he would really like to trade down. And uh, you never know if there's going to be trade down partners. We talked about this a bit last week, but with... With the draft inching closer and closer, it always seems that these quarterbacks start sneaking up the draft boards and getting into uh, getting into better position. And you know, maybe the Browns take a quarterback at number one overall. That that would probably could probably lead other teams to being like, "Well, Trubisky's gone. We better go get our guy now yeah. instead of waiting around." So that could be interesting for sure. So uh, make sure to keep an eye on that. Caldwell has not traded down Quarter- in the first round yet. <laughs> Quarterbacks make everything
2: in the top ten picks completely unpredictable, mm-hmm. and it and it will be like that for the rest of the rest of the longevity of the NFL. Absolutely, because teams are going to take chances on guys that they think.
1: Right. The if if they see the skill set, they're going to be like... And this is, I'm sure, what Hugh Jackson's doing with thinking that uh, he could take Trubisky. Hmm. They see the skill set, and they're like, I can work with that. Yeah, And that's oh. kind of how all the quarterbacks are in this year's draft. Um, I think Deshaun Watson, in my mind, is definitely the most pro-ready. Yeah. But some would disagree and say Trubisky's the most pro-ready, even though he's only played 13 games. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that all works out. We'll get into the draft a little bit more later on in the show. But uh, Doug Marone, what really stood out from everything he said was not only the fact that he was trying to be a little lighthearted with the fans and have a good time, but he's going to work these guys to death as soon as they get in there April 17th next week. Um, He's going to know who's been... taking it easy on the offseason. Right. He emphasized the fact that how it's going to work is whoever comes in and is ready to to go, we're going to be able to tell immediately. And those are the guys that we're going to rely on. The guys, some of them, if they're not ready to go, they might not be around very long. So it'll be very interesting to see that and see how these players adjust. Obviously, a lot of them are new, but players that have been around Jacksonville for a while... How they adjust to this new culture where they're just going to get their asses worked off. That's not what they had before in Gus Bradley.
2: It's not going to be laid back anymore, especially when you have Doug Marone, who's already an an offensive line.
1: And then you also got TC creeping around.
2: (laughs) He's going to be all over. It's going to be hard for him to pump the brakes and just let coaches coach.
1: Yeah, it is. And I I think where it needs to... Where the line needs to be drawn is on the field. If guys are in the uh, training room and the weight room, Coughlin has said he's going to be there looking at them. Yeah. But I don't think he needs to be on the field, actually coaching guys up with technique. Yeah, and, and leave it to the coaches.
2: Yeah. When it's weight room stuff, it's you. You see effort. You see who the right. guys who are taking it seriously, who are really trying to give everything they've got. There's not much like, oh, you know, you're doing this one thing wrong.
1: Slightly do the, yeah. this one I mean, one that's thing. what the trainers are going to be the doing. That's what trainers are going to yeah. be see the, seeing He's just going to be seeing that effort. Right. So and I, I believe he'll be at practice pretty much every day. Yeah. But stay on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Don't stop practice and go try to teach, coach up a, He does not need a whistle. Right. <laughs> he, right. That's to, exactly he does not right. need
2: to be able to, to stop practice and go, okay, this is what I think.
1: That's exactly right um i'm with you there so one other thing that was clear kind of just builds on the same idea coughlin calls the walkthrough a jog through instead of a walkthrough so it really is going to be different for these guys they're going to be having to bust their ass every day high energy always get better
2: just don't even say no get Just
1: say win. Yeah, always win. <laughs> that's what that's what Bradley always. You said. You can
2: get better all you want. If the result, results aren't there, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I don't remember where I heard this. I know it's a famous quote, but don't ever confuse effort with results. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah, and I I know that Coughlin and and uh, Marone are absolutely on board with that. Now. There's been some actual roster moves in the last couple days. Uh, the Jaguars released Dan Scudder who was signed in 2015. Uh, he's just the latest 2015 free agent <laughs> signee to fall victim to being cut by the Jaguars. And obviously, we're not inside the locker room. We don't know everything that's going on. But in my mind, Scudder was very, very... Poorly misused by the yeah. Jaguars coaching staff, and I just think they wanted out of him something that wasn't him. Yeah, uh, they wanted a guy that was going to be just a really solid Sam linebacker, and that's not what he is. He's a guy that should get his hand in the dirt and rush the passer a little bit, and, and even, they didn't allow him to do it. And even if
2: if they use the auto in in more of an like an edge setter kind of. You know, always he's always crashing down, just bringing pressure in the backfield. Then that's something that obviously I I think we can agree on that Dan Scooter is capable of doing. But it's something where occasionally he'll have to drop into coverage, he'll
1: have to do different things. I don't ever really think he didn't play well. He played all right, yeah. At worst, he played all right, yeah. Um, but again, that's kind of like what you saw with most of these guys that they signed in 2015. Jared Audrey. He was pretty good. He wasn't yeah, they're good pieces great. on their own. Devon House, he was pretty good. Yeah. Wasn't great. Um, obviously those guys aren't as disappointing as Julius Thomas, but yeah. you know, it's pretty crazy to think just two years ago how excited the city was to bring in guys like Julius Thomas, Devon House, Jared Odrick, and uh Dan Scooter and all these guys and I think it's just very telling in terms of how much better the roster has gotten since then. That two years later, none of these guys are even in the plans for the future. Yeah, That is unreal. There was eight guys they signed that year. And uh, only two remained. So pretty interesting stuff there. The Jaguars also traded Chris Smith. Uh, who was a former fifth-round pick by the Jaguars in 2014? He was really, in my mind, the third edge rusher on the team right now. When he was active, right? I mean, well, I'm I'm saying right now, yeah, on the team, he was the depth at at a edge rusher or Leo or whatever you yeah. want to call it, you know, behind Fowler and and Gakwe as the starter. So in my mind, they have to go draft someone at some point. Yeah. That can play defensive end. I mean, they do have Jonathan Woodard, right? Who's coming like, back? You're right about that. Um, and, but he's coming still, off an Achilles. He was a late round draft pick in 2016. He's not a guy coming off, off an Achilles. You yeah. can't rely on that at all.
2: It, and it, as a late round pick, you're hoping that his abilities can translate into success on the football field. As every other late pick, it's a long shot.
1: Yep. And especially now, coming off an oh, Achilles,
2: okay. so. So I mean, just because you have Jonathan Wooder doesn't mean like oh you know we
1: can maybe wait a little bit longer. No, you need to go get one. Yeah. Oh, and going back to Dan Scooter just a little bit. That's gonna help Miles Jack get on the field. I think it was already set in stone. <laughs> yeah, Jack was yeah. okay. Jack was gonna be on the field, but when you're paying another linebacker four point one million a year, it's hard to just be like, no, nah, you're gonna stay on the bench, which. Is why he's gone. I'm sure. Yeah, you you can you can find someone who who might not be as good as him, but for a lot less money. Yeah, and now there's really a lack of linebacker depth as well. Yeah. Um, I really like Hayes Pullard as a backup linebacker, mm-hmm. but beyond that, you don't have a ton you can feel confident in sticking them into the game. You've got you know Laurenti McRae, but on defense, he might be used more well, of a pass rusher than a true linebacker, right? And uh, Audi Cole, you signed, but special teams. Josh McNary, you signed, special teams. Yep. So most of those guys at the, on the depth chart are looking to be special teams aces more so than defensive uh, defensive guys you want to actually see hit the field on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so Miles Jack is going to be on the field a lot more. We already knew that, and Doug Marone confirmed that last night too. He said he would really like to see Miles Jack on the field all three downs, when to get three downs out of him. Mm-hmm. Now, just like uh, Dave Caldwell, when he mentioned Miles Jack seeing the field more a couple weeks ago in an interview on Jaguars.com, Marone said he has to earn it. Okay. Nothing yeah, we expect give. him to be a three-down player, but he's got to go out there and earn it this year, this offseason. By all accounts, there's no reason he shouldn't. He's a freak athletically, yeah. and there's no reason to believe, based on everything we've seen, that he's not a hard worker or anything like that. So
2: it, w- it would just be how quickly he's able to take over. Personally, what I think would be the play calling abilities on third down, or at, or or at overall. all. Yeah, like with, with him being on the field more means Paul plus is probably going to be on the field less.
1: Yeah. And, it does because you're running and, nickel, you're running two linebackers yeah. a lot. So it's it's basically. They could get creative though. Yeah. They might try to get creative this year and have those three linebackers, Jack Smith and Puzzlesny on the field more than you normally would in a regular NFL defense nowadays, but And Jack makes it easier with his athleticism. Right. Being able to you know where you can things. put Puzzlesny in coverage mm-hmm. and then you can put Jack wherever the hell you want. Yeah and smith you know what you can get out of him too so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the rest of the linebacker situation moving forward that's it for the roster moves this week but you know getting two roster moves this week is a surprise in and of and it's, and, it's of itself. and to me it's 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 good to get something it's i
2: mean it's a it's a um uh, condi- was it conditional oh, yeah. pick
1: the chris smith trade they traded him for a 2018 conditional pick it's a 7th round pick, right. I believe. And uh, that pretty much makes up for the pick that I lost acquiring Brandon Albert next year. Yeah. So that's good. And, and I mean, just to get
2: something out of a guy who... Yeah, you hit a little inactive. bit of draft capital. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anytime you can get value out of a commodity that is either not being used or just doesn't have a place.
1: Right. And in the present, that's good. That's good. But also looking back, you're like, well, we spent a fifth round pick, and yeah. we just traded for a seventh round pick. Yeah, so you got to take what you can get now. Mm-hmm. It's a good move now, but obviously, you would have liked to get more out of your fifth round pick. And I mean, there's and, other fifth round picks you see that are stars across the league, and yeah. there's one right here in Jacksonville, Telvin Smith. Yeah. So, but it,
2: every, I feel like every pick, even after the third or fourth round. You're taking a chance on a guy. And if he pans out and you can get something out of him, whether it's playing time, whether it's a pick or or a compensatory pick, if he leaves as a free agent or something, yeah, then that's value. So, I, I mean, agree. a late-round a late pick, a fifth-round pick, you're hoping he pans out, but more times than not, he ends up being cut and he's looking for work somewhere else. Yeah,
1: that happens a lot, and there's no question about it. Now... Let's get to the Jaguars' 2015 first overall draft pick. He had some interesting things to say on Twitter this year. Um, Excuse me, not this year, this week. He believes that he has, quote-unquote, learned the art of pass rushing this offseason, and he also is very confident that coming off a healthy season and a healthy offseason, that year two will be special for him. Obviously, in his first... uh, first couple practices he went down with a torn ACL after being selected by the Jaguars so what does it mean that year 2 will be special what does he need to do to actually achieve year 2 being special show a pass rushing move <laughs> yeah i mean and when he says i've that he's learned the art of pass rushing for me, I don't know what the hell that means. I think it's but it, I, I hope that it means he's learned it's at least like, two moves maybe. To me to me it's more of he has an understanding
2: of what it takes as far as I can't just rely on my athleticism anymore because guys like him I I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen in the NFL, but they're the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop. He's not an outlier like he was in high school or even college really. Where he could just be a better football player than the other guy, be way, more dominant regardless. because of his
1: physical abilities. So. Yeah. So I mean,
2: it's it to me. I think he means it's it's impossible to learn something before you even hit training camp when you're on your own and you're not constantly working on it every single day with yep. coaches teaching you. So I think he just he understands the way he needs to learn. About what he needs to do, moves, counter moves, things. I like guess well, setting up. He thinks he's. Learning. He thinks he does. Hopefully, yeah. he's right. But I mean, it's there's a lot more than just go speed rush, speed rush, speed rush, get by you guy. <laughs> it's a lot of setting it up. You know, you might have yeah, a couple man. plays where you're. Speaking just... of setting
1: it up, Jared, Jared, uh, Jared Allen. Yeah, he would literally do. A I don't want to call it a pretend move, but he would use moves in the first half and uh, just to see what how a tackle responds yeah. to him. And then he wouldn't unveil his real pass rush moves until the second half, mm-hmm. maybe even into the fourth quarter until it was a play that he knew that they absolutely had to go get the quarterback and affect the quarterback. If you're a guy that has that type of skill, and that type of just understanding of how to set up uh, offensive linemen—that's what you hope you're hearing in terms of yeah. he's learned the art of pass rushing. So and young, young guys, I think they're just
2: like get to the quarterback every yeah. play, every play. You got to win. You got to beat this tackle every single play. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> one of my favorite clips of all time is Demarcus Ware. Um, he does a fake spin move on Joe Staley. <laughs> and he a very good offensive unbelievable. lineman unbelievable he he was i he he had hit him with the spin move a couple times and then he just, he just faked the spin went up and and got the sack and it looked like it looked like joe staley was on ice he was just spinning <laughs> around and he was just like where would he go it was yeah. it's it's i'm sure a ton of football fans have seen this but it's it's just like learning hey i need to do one thing until i can pick my spot where it absolutely has to happen, and I know I can win by yeah. doing something.
1: Now, what would you like to see numbers wise from Dante Fowler? Realistically, obviously, we'd all like to see double digit sacks <laughs> from him, but like, honestly, I mean, at this point, I feel like he's probably still going to play over 50% of the snaps next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he did last year, even though he wasn't technically a starter. And even though they've added Calais Campbell and probably will add someone else in the draft. He'll play a lot on third downs, regardless. Yeah, I mean... Because Calais Campbell moves inside. I think anything where he's above five sacks and probably sitting around 15 to 20 quarterback pressures, I think that would be a very, very solid campaign for him. Absolutely. But, at the same time, I don't think he thinks that would be solid. Yeah, Which is a good thing. He's, yeah he's, he should always a good expect thing. the best. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him moving forward and just what happens with the Jaguars' edge rusher position in general after the draft and all that. So moving away from Fowler, we'll start getting into the draft here for the rest of the podcast. We've got about 30 minutes left for you. Um, Deshaun Watson, two-day visit with the Jaguars. No other player that we know of has had a two-day visit with the Jaguars this offseason. Is this a smokescreen, or is it legit? My first question. Yeah. Second question is, if it is legit, how do you feel about it?
2: I think it's legit. I th- not in the fact that, oh, we're going to draft this guy at four. It's just, we've got, we've got the tape. I know what this. I know what I. I see this kid is capable of. I want to get him in a room. I want to talk to him. I want to walk him through stuff. See what his football IQ is, because you can't necessarily. You can kind of see. Hey, this guy knows what he's doing on a football field. He's thinking at a higher level than other people. But until you actually sit down with a guy and talk to him, it's just it's all just opinion and just observations. Yeah. So I mean, I think. Quarterback is a real—I don't want to say need, but it's it. it, You got to keep your eye on it. Yeah, you can't possibly say you
1: know Blake Bortles is the
2: future. If he has a bad year, he we might have a new quarterback
1: in 2018. No question. I mean, if he has a terrible, if he plays like he did last year, I don't think he'll finish the year as a starter.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't think he'll have that same that same leash he had last year. Now, for me, Deshaun Watson makes sense, you know If he's sitting in the 20s and the Jaguars want to trade back into the first round and get him Or uh, if they're able to trade down from the fourth overall pick Maybe into the teens, you could take a look at him Although I still wouldn't pull the trigger there Based on the rest of the team needs And the ideal that Blake Bortles is going to be the starter Uh, I like him though, he's got good poise, he's a winner He displays a strong arm in some areas of passing and some of the routes that you see. But then on other routes, it's inconsistent trying to get the ball all the way to the outside, the perimeter of the field. Um, Inconsistent in terms of decision-making at times. And uh, he breaks down in his mechanics as well sometimes, which those aren't things you want to see. But with every quarterback in this draft, you see issues. The only quarterback I really don't see a ton of issues with is Trubisky. Yeah. And the, the reason everybody's kind of skeptical of him is obviously only 13 games as a starter. And that might be a reason why you don't see a lot of glaring
2: flaws is because he's got a third of the tape that... Most of the guys do, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So Moving on from Deshaun Watson to another Jack. Uh, I just gave away my lead there. Jacksonville kid, local kid, yeah. named Peterman, he's going to visit with the Jaguars. It was originally reported by Ann Rappaport that he had a uh, visit with the Jaguars. Later on, we kind of figured out that it was really just for the local Pro Day, which the Jaguars and every team does this every year. They host a Pro Day for local kids. Um, usually, though, the people that attend the local Pro Day are much less heralded than Peterman. So you'll get guys that are going to go undrafted from different Florida schools and from around here. Peterman's probably going to be a day two selection. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to go in the second or third round. And he's been going up since. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he, when the draft process started, he was pretty much unheard of.
2: It was an undrafted free agent to a late round pick,
1: and then now he's all the way up to the, the second the day of the draft. How are
2: the QB man?
1: <laughs> that and I mean, he's done good. He's had a great process. Yeah, he played really well senior bowl week and during the senior bowl and by all accounts he was really the best quarterback there the whole week yeah so that helps and then you go back and look at the tape he's pretty accurate he doesn't really make bad decisions um he's got good size in terms of his weight so he's not going to just get knocked around i think he's 226 he's uh a guy that just doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes yeah and that's good in the nfl but the reasons he's not going to be a first-round pick is his height. He's six foot two. You want to see a guy that's a little bit taller than that in terms of an elite he's quarterback no Johnny prospect. Johnny Manziel,
2: but yeah, I mean six still, two
1: is fine, but that's Deshaun Watson. Basically, that's Deshaun Watson's height and weight, right Right, there. and Deshaun Watson is more athletic than oh, Peterman. Yeah. While Peterman does have athleticism of his own, that's Mitch Trubisky's size and weight as well. Trubisky is much more athletic, yeah. in my opinion, than Peterman, and he's got a much bigger arm. There's, And I think Watson has a bigger arm. Too I was just just it uh, with size. Yeah, size, yeah. I feel you there. Um, but in terms of the all the other intangibles, you like what Peterman's got. You like that he's a local kid from Bartram Trail High School. I mean, what a story that would be. Plus, he's a heck of a football player. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. Jaguars select... Bartram Trail High School he, alum.
2: He very well could. I could absolutely see third or fourth round. If this guy comes off the board to, to come to Jacksonville, I wouldn't be surprised
1: at all. Yeah, see, I could see them taking him in the fourth round. Problem is, I really don't think he's gonna be yeah, there. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll see how it plays out, but because they have to, they, and they would have to be passing on another potentially a potential starter and contributor. Yes, absolutely. Especially if they were doing it in the third round. Um, And for me, I have them uh, getting guys out in the third round that are pretty much going to be big. They're big name guys. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, So we released our second mock draft today. Uh, After hearing quite a bit of interesting rumor, talk, innuendo, whatever you want to call it. There's rumors now that Fournette could go number one overall to the Browns. Man, nah. I mean, my goodness. I couldn't like I couldn't imagine. Another running back hasn't gone first overall since do you know who?
2: Was it my boy, Ricky Williams?
1: Nope. No, I
2: didn't think so. I don't know. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson? Where? When did Ricky get picked? I thought he got picked. There. Oh yeah, the, the Saints traded the. He wasn't the first pick. Okay.
1: Yeah, okay. but uh. Anyway. Good Lord. So, Reggie Bush
2: got picked number two.
1: Yeah, there's been top five guys. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, it's interesting to see if the Browns really went for Ned. I mean, if he's as good as advertised, which by all accounts he is, and you know, based on everything I've watched, I watched a ton of his tape. I think he's legit. They got a they got an offensive line. And they have the offensive line. (laughs) Good lord. I mean you could dramatically transform yourself if you're the Cleveland Browns if you take Fournette at number one. It it's basically
2: Yeah, but to me, picking a quarterback at number one, whether picking a quarterback and a and a running back, one of them is gonna have a much bigger impact on your franchise. You can pick a running back number one, and he might be a Hall of Famer. Look at Adrian Peterson. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer, clearly. How many Super Bowls do the Vikings have? Well, none, but... <laughs> they've had pretty good defenses. Yeah, they've they struggled, struggled. at quarterback. Exactly. So, I mean, and that's one of the things to where... And their offensive
1: line is not the Browns' offensive line. So True. And, to be honest... I thought Adrian Peterson was the best running back I ever saw when he came out of college. Mm. I honestly think Fournette has the potential to be better. He's faster. Yeah. He's just as big, if not bigger. Yeah. And man, I mean, I've seen Adrian Peterson do some insane stuff on a football field, not just in college. In the NFL, he's made people (laughs) look silly. (laughs) But Fournette's there. Yeah. With that talent, he really is. And there's a lot of
2: comparisons to for, to Adrian Peterson. Yeah, for, I mean for, that's yeah.
1: the easiest comparison. Yeah. In recent memory, I think going back, you look at you know Bo Jackson.
2: Yeah. So, it's just it's it's you have to be a hundred percent sold. He's Bo Jackson.
1: Yeah. To pick him number one. Yeah. And then Trubisky's also getting rumored to be considered with the number one overall pick now, too. I mean...
2: I kind of half believe that
1: one. (laughs) Yeah, that one I think is more believable, but you never know. Obviously, either of those guys could go number one. You really have no idea. But if one of those guys was to go number one, what would be the ripple effect that drops down to the Jaguars? Because if one of those guys go number one, that guarantees you, to have either Miles Garrett, which how the hell could he possibly drop to four? Yeah. <laughs> but it guarantees you either Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, or Jonathan Allen to be there at four. Yeah. And what's even more interesting is Mike K. tweeted out today, Jaguars beat reporter for First Coast News. He's talked to several league sources that are absolutely convinced the Jaguars will not take a defensive lineman at number four. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, how and how on earth do these people know the Jaguars will not take a defensive lineman at number four, when that's clearly the best value, and makes sense for what the team needs? Yeah. I mean, it, it, they w-
2: It would just have to be that they're sold on Fournette. That would have to be
1: it. Sold on someone. Yeah. yeah. We all assume it would have to be Fournette, but. We cannot forget that Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon going into last year was probably considered a top 10 running back group yeah. going into last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with, if those guys were healthy all of last season, what would they have been able to do? You don't know. You have no idea. If, if... I think a
2: healthy Chris Ivory makes last year's team a lot better. A lot I do too. Better.
1: It's just really interesting to see if...
2: We can talk ourselves in so many circles <laughs> we're talking about draft talk. And
1: There's no question. And uh, let's just get to our mock draft 2.0 here. Um, I write the mock drafts over at Uh Pretty much just because no one else is uh, inclined to <laughs> research seven rounds worth of players. <laughs> I don't do every draft pick in the seven rounds, but I do every Jaguars draft pick for our mock drafts. I merely just enjoy the drafts. (laughs) I look at them and go,
2: I would take that draft.
1: So, today I did my mock draft 2.0. I got the Jaguars taking Solomon Thomas. Reason being... My boy. (laughs) Reason being is I do think that he makes more sense for the Jaguars than Jonathan Allen. Because I think Jonathan Allen is definitely better as a three-technique defensive tackle. I also think that's Solomon Thomas' best position, but I think Solomon Thomas probably projects better as a versatile defensive lineman that can play your big end or even maybe play Leo um, and then also be able to kick inside and play three-technique. This guy's a sophomore obviously redshirt sophomore he wouldn't be able to come out but i mean that is really impressive to see a guy that's a sophomore coming out of stanford academic school you know they get guys that are solid offensive linemen and all that but they usually don't have your number one edge rusher coming off the board in the top five you know what i mean from stanford so i don't know I, I think it'll be Thomas because I really just think the Jaguars. And this is what I think right now. Last week I thought they would take Fournette. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the Jaguars taking the running back there because I think they see too much quality talent at running back later in the draft. Yeah. And Where is the biggest gap between what you can get? It's probably, in my opinion, at defensive line. Yeah. The guys at the top of the defensive line board are always just beasts, but then there's other guys that you like too a lot at defensive line. I mean, Derek Barnett, he's more of a true edge rusher than yeah. Solomon Thomas is. Could the Jaguars go Derek Barnett?
2: It's uh, they would have to trade down. I don't think. For any, I don't for, think
1: they have to. For any
2: other guy outside of the three Garrett, Allen, Thomas, they would have to trade
1: down for me. That's what. That's what these uh, draft analysts would also say, but I'm not sold. I think I think Thomas is a better player than Barnett, but I think I think were, Barnett could be very good. There were better players, in my opinion, when the Jaguars drafted Dante Fowler. Yeah,
2: I was on the Leonard Williams train, um, oh my and goodness. I mean, you
1: know, many people believed not. A, I mean, Williams obviously is more of the. Technique type guy, there. but Vic Beasley, yeah, wow. look at that. He was there too. And uh, obviously, we don't, we haven't seen Fowler's second year yet.
2: Vic Beasley's, but Vic Beasley's second year was damn good. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, that comparison is obviously not a comparison of skill sets, it was just a comparison of uh, draft hype, really, where they were drafted. So then, getting into the second round, I have the Jaguars addressing another need with offensive guard Dan Feeney. He played right guard at Indiana. He's widely viewed as the best true guard coming out in this draft. Forrest Lamp is also a guard, but he played a lot of tackle in college. Um, Feeney, if he drops, which he very well could, considering Cam Robinson could go in front of him at guard or tackle. Forrest Lamp will probably go in front of him. Brian Ramsick's probably gone. There's he's several a, he's guys. A true tackle. Several guys. So Feeney could definitely be there at 35, and he's a guy that would be a plug-and-play starter in my opinion. Yeah, he would, he would essentially
2: just take over the left, the left guard spot. Yeah,
1: or although Caldwell has mentioned that the left guard is the one that's open, you could still see Can move back to left guard if yeah. the Jaguars draft a right guard. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. It just hasn't been stated that it could happen by the Jaguars organization. Then, got the same pick in the third round as I had last time. Jake Butt. Great name, great player. Great name, great player. That's right. He compares favorably to every balanced tight end that's ever come out. Yeah, I see
2: maybe a less... I kind of see... um, I just had his name in my... I... Jason Witten. Yeah.
1: He's, Can't forget Witten, man. Yeah, Witten, he's... Witten is probably more of a big play threat, although he's... I don't know about that. Jake Buck can make some incredible
2: catches. I think... He can make some catches, but he's not going to break away from people. He's going to be the, the security blanket yeah. and who's also capable of being a blocker.
1: Right, which to me, that is... You just described Jason Witten.
2: Oh yeah, you're
1: right Yeah, So, you know, I think uh, Obviously with his injury In the last game of the season He's going to drop a little bit And if he falls to the third round I think the Jaguars should run to the podium Easy I really do Now, this is an interesting pick Who Scott may be high or low on Who knows here Because Scott's a Texas fan Fourth round Jaguars haven't drafted a running back yet. They would like to get better in their running game. Samaj P. Ryan. Yep. What do we think? From the Texas fan on the Oklahoma running back, what do we think? He's a
2: load. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he broke the single-game rushing record with 400-something yards a week after Melvin Gordon broke it. Well, he um, got 300-something. 300-something. I'm sorry. And then... Um. Yeah. So, he's but no, just... he he's an in between the tackles runner. Yeah. Um, he's not gonna really run away from people, but he's physical. Um, I hated the guy, so you know he's probably a good football player. Right. If the Texas fan
1: <laughs> hates him. Draft him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but he's 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 not the best of the Oklahoma running backs, but he's the most draftable.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I still think Mixon will be gone in the yeah. fourth round. No, he'll he'll be a second round pick, if not a first. Second or third.
2: They're, teams are gonna fall in love with talent. I would just gonna forget. I about would bet him. he
1: won't be gone. He won't be taken in the first round. Just cause would, like that PR and I, that I was agree. our second round pick. Not I agree. Our first round I pick. agree with you. Yep. But man, teams go nuts when they see talent. Yeah, I know. It is possible he could go in the first. But no, and I mean, a lot of NFL uh, draft analysts believe he will, but I still would be surprised. Because yeah. it's not like there's that Joe Mixon is just clearly so much better than everyone else he could draft at the end of the first round. This first round, while it's not necessarily a, necessarily a lead at the top, the entire draft, you know rounds one through probably four or five, is loaded with talent. And even beyond that, so there's good guys everywhere. There really is, and I think. Uh, but getting back to Piran, yeah, there's a, there's a reason
2: why he started a lot of games with Joe Mixon on the roster. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of carries with Joe Mixon on the roster. He's a good football player. Yeah. So I mean, he's 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 not going to have the home run threat like Joe Mixon is, but he man he can power between the tackles. He's a load to break down.
1: Yeah, and the reason obviously one of the reasons that I like him so much is his power. Mm. He just can blow people up. And it's not just cornerbacks that he's blowing up. He'll blow up your strong safety. He'll <laughs> blow up your middle linebacker. I've seen it I've even seen him blow up defensive linemen. He is a load. And the biggest reason, though, that I believe that he's a fit for the Jaguars—not just his NFL potential, but the reason he's specifically a fit for the Jaguars—is because he ran the majority of the time out of the shotgun. Yeah. Blake Bortles is most comfortable out of the shotgun and the eleven personnel, where you got your three wide receivers, your one tight end, your one running back, and that's that's what Green yeah. did constantly. Oh yeah. So exclusively. There, there's no adjustment period for that. Like Fournette, he's never run that. Fournette always has a fullback oh. in front of him. Um so Pirine just makes sense. And despite the fact that he's not necessarily the fastest guy, he's got a little bit of Maurice Jones Drew in him, in yeah. my opinion. Uh he's really hard to get his hands on your hands on him in between the tackles and he can kind of almost just like disappear into the line for a second and then break out like Mojo used to do. He doesn't have the long speed that Mojo did, Mm -hmm. or the quickness when Mojo came out. But his lateral quickness isn't bad. He can easily make a jump cut to make a defender miss and then accelerate quickly. Uh, I think he's a great player that should not be a (laughs) fourth-round draft pick. I I think he has something ridiculous
2: on his bench press at the combine. It was like 30 reps. Yeah, or I think I just insane. thought... I
1: think it was 24, but for a running back... Yeah. No, it's... It was... it was I know it was... It he was, was a ridiculous. star at the bench press. In oh, terms yeah, it, of he was at backs. the top. Yeah. yeah. So he's a powerful dude. Now, after that, it gets a little bit more into a lot of guys that, play, that uh, fans aren't going to know. But Rasul Douglas, some people might know, he led the nation in interceptions last year at West Virginia. Uh, he was a junior college transfer... I just think he's the type of guy that is a playmaker. And the Jaguars have lacked playmakers in their secondary in the past. And he's a guy that could potentially take Aaron Colvin's place if Aaron Colvin ends up leaving after the 2017 season when his contract is up. I I think somebody like this is exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. Because he's not going to
2: be the dude. Yeah. He's got two guys that are going to be making a lot of... One's already making a lot of money. And one's a future superstar, if not already.
1: And that's A.J. Boye already making a lot of money, yeah. and Jalen Ramsey being the superstar. Right? Yeah.
2: And, and But even when we've had a very good defense, an arguably top 10 defense last year, the turnovers weren't there. Right.
1: And this guy can go get it. Yeah, he just knows get how to ball. go get the ball. Uh, it's uncanny for some people. Yeah. And he's, he's one of those guys. Now... Tom Coughlin has clearly made an emphasis on the line of scrimmage. I think in the sixth round, they go add another offensive lineman. You know, Dan Feeney's great, but having another guard who... You know, Dave Caldwell always talks how he's sold on AJ Cann potentially being a star in this league or an elite player in this league. You, If you're able to land Isaac Asiata from Utah in the sixth round... Powerful, dude. I I really believe he would push AJ Can for a starting job or Dan Feeney or Dan Feeney yeah throw him in throw them all yeah. in there give all three of them a shot yeah and see which two are the best yeah I'm totally cool with that
2: and and when we, when you have somebody who when you have a position where you have you have two guard spots you have a player there now who is. Mm, They have belief in him, but he's not really shown a lot. Yeah, inside the building, there's belief in A.J. Cam. But outside the building? There's a lot of questions. It doesn't look too good. Yeah. Just draft two of them. And in the sixth round, if a guy like Isaac Asiata is available, it's great value.
1: No question about it. Uh, Moving on. Two seventh round picks for the Jags. When you've heard of it, when you haven't. (laughs) Assuming they don't... Excuse me. Assuming they don't uh, pull off any trades, they'll have two seventh-round picks. I like Matt Milano. For one of the reasons we just talked about recently, which is the lack of depth at linebacker. If Telvin Smith goes down, obviously you could put Miles Jack at weak side. But you really don't want to do that, probably, because... You want to keep him where he's been comfortable with. So you want to have a guy that can step in and play. Matt Milano is a guy that could probably step in and play. He's a smaller linebacker just like Telvin Smith, flies around, and he lays the wood when he gets to the ball. He's from Boston College. He's played safety. A lot of the the sets you'll see Boston College line up in, he's almost playing a nickel-type position. And this just gives the Jaguars so much versatility with a 7th-round pick who's a guy that can probably make the team based on his defensive prowess alone, but will certainly become a special teams ace. And that has clearly been a focus for the Jaguars this offseason, improving the special teams.
2: And just having a body that can come in and do right, yeah, in if they need to.
1: Come in, fly around. Jack some people up, you know, that's what you want to see. He's only two twenty three, but that's probably about five pounds more than Telvin Smith right now. for real. So so, uh, that's a guy that I just think is interesting. And for me, with Rasul Douglas, the fifth-round pick, the cornerback who led the nation in interceptions, and Matt Milano, and my next pick, it's not necessarily about that player. It's about addressing that type of player. Yeah. Rasul Douglas, for me, fits a guy that can be a playmaking cornerback that could eventually fill the role of Aaron Colvin. Matt Milano is a guy that certainly the Jaguars don't want to lose Telfin Smith, but...
2: Are they going to pay a weak side linebacker a ton of money in the (laughs) offseason?
1: He's a guy that could come in and you never know how well he can turn out and he'll certainly help on special teams if nothing else. And then my final draft pick for the Jaguars, Kermit Whitfield... Uh Florida State special team are just an amazing kick and punt returner. Uh-huh. Jaguars have really lacked that in the past. You thought you had it for a minute with Rashad Green, and then he gets fumble itis, and uh <laughs> you just don't know what to expect from Green moving forward, especially with his incredibly underwhelming size. Whitfield's small too, but he's five eight, so he's a little bit harder to get that big and hit he can on. fly. Yeah, he's way, way faster oh than my Rashad goodness. Green. Green was never really going to be a star as a kick returner because of the speed. Yeah, Rashad Green was great as a punt returner because the beginning of a punt return relies on quickness more than speed. Mm -hmm. And then if you have decent speed, you can just keep going. But as a kick returner, you want that guy to catch the ball and just fly. So uh, Kermit Whitfield can do that. Showed it many times at Florida State. Had several return touchdowns. Again, he's not necessarily a he, must he be get, thrown in as but he's machine. the type of guy for me that the Jaguars need to get in the draft. And Joe D.
2: Millis might want a guy. It's like, like, hey, Donnell give me Pumphrey, a maybe type of guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Donnell Pumphrey led the, well, he set a record for rushing yards in a college <laughs> career, breaking Marshall Falk's San Diego State record. And breaking every other running back <laughs> yeah. who's ever run the ball in college's record. That's pretty good. So, uh, but he's tiny. A lot like Kermit Whitfield. But he's a guy I think will probably end up going before the seventh round. Yeah. Whitfield could even be undrafted. I think it's crazy to not take a flyer. For one team not to take a flyer on a guy like Kermit Whitfield in the seventh round. Like,
2: Quick question. No fullback. Probably undrafted free agent. Yeah. I not, mean, not
1: worth... Yeah, investing you could see into. Freddie Stevenson in the seventh round yeah. or someone else, but I doubt you're going to see anything. Get more, the more round. of an impactful. Player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that's pretty much going to do it for our show. That pretty much flew by, as it. I feel like it goes a little bit faster when it's just two people because we, we're just constantly talking. We can hear our own voices. We're like, that's yeah, it's right. going good. So it's been a fun show. Thanks for thanks for listening to us today and. Make sure to check out Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You'll find a big old uh, University of Texas Woo, hook em. <laughs> University of Texas cover photo. You can follow me at Jordan DeLugo. You can follow Hunter Evans even though he's not here at Hunter Evans. At Hunter underscore Evans <laughs> underscore seven. Follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. At Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram and make sure to check out the website. We've got The best Jaguars news and analysis every week. We're dropping articles a couple times a day, at minimum, even in this slow period. But we're having a great time. Make sure to come hang out with us on draft night. We'll obviously update you on this again, but um, April 27th, the Jaguars always have a draft party. We're going to have a draft day tailgate before the party. We'll be out there in Lot J. Come by and see us. We'll probably be out there around 4, but it officially kicks off at 5. Free beverages, thanks to Bold City Brewery, who's the official sponsor of the Gin Jack podcast. You! I believe uh, Green Room and a couple other places. Carved Vodka will be able to help out with that, too. But again, thanks for listening. This has been the Gin Jag podcast. And uh, have a great day, Duval. Go Jags! Go Jags!